ACP Church family, welcome to the No Borders podcast, where every week we will discuss the sermon and share some personal takeaways. We are currently in our Insta family series where we are discussing how to have a Christ-centered family. If you enjoy listening to our podcast, be sure to share with your friends and family. All right. Thank you for joining me today. Today on the podcast, I have Britt, my sister-in-law, Kyla, and then our special guest is my mother-in-law, Sue Walker. Hello. And so we'll be going over- First time on the podcast. That's right. Is she going to be a regular? (laughs) We'll see. See how she does. She's actually taking over Eric's job as host. (laughs) Crazy enough. There we go. She told us about our history in podcasting. I knew. I Radio. Radio. Sorry. Radio. Yeah. Yeah. Tell us a little bit about that. Just briefly. Tom and I did Let's Pray in Pittsburgh. And it was a radio station. It was only, I believe, like 15 minutes once a week. Okay. But we had all this equipment. Well, you're a pro. You're more of a pro than we are. And what we did was each week we featured a different guest that was in the prayer arena that was very well versed, and we would interview them. Nice. That's okay. so cool. So that's yeah. why she's making fun of all our equipment because she's seen the real deal. Yeah, this hodgepodge is only new. Yeah, we're we're recording in a closet in the back. So, yeah. but uh, so so Tom gave us the message today. Uh, this is the last of our Insta Family series going over marriage. And uh, Sue, to kick us off on the podcast, tell us how you and Pastor Time met. Well, we met in college at um, Southeastern University. And I happened to have a Wisconsin t-shirt, and he was from Wisconsin as well, and he was in front of me in the line. So, of course, he turned around and said, hey, you're from Wisconsin. <laughs> and I'm like... That was his pickup line, huh? That was his pickup line, okay. and I thought, oh, you're the guy I heard about. So Wait, you had heard about him? Well, I did because, ironically, I spent all my summers in the city, in the area where he grew up. So we probably, when we were like 9, 10, 11, went to the same church, and I wow. never knew. Oh, wow. And we also, were, we had this big prayer gathering, and I was in my teens at that point, and we went out to dinner. He was at one end of the table, and I was at the other, but I <sighs> didn't really notice him. <laughs> he was not memorable. And he didn't say he really noticed me either, so <laughs> anyway, that's... um. We had that little connection. So I knew there was somebody going to Southeastern from Wisconsin in my area, but I didn't really know how to reach out to them. And he heard the same thing, but he didn't want a rider in his vehicle. So what do you mean like he had to haul you around? Well, oh, he didn't oh, from want... from Wisconsin? Yes. Um, wow. <laughs> something's never changed. <laughs> exactly. Very so. good. So that's how you met. And then you've been married for how long now? 45 years. 45. I didn't know that you, because obviously I am the daughter. I know a lot of the story, <laughs> but I didn't know that you guys had attended maybe the same church and yeah, stuff. Yeah. That's crazy. It is. Cool. Look, I learned something world. new. I know that you say that all the time, but like, Seriously, that's so crazy. Yeah. So like from Wisconsin to Florida, yeah. and now you guys are back in Florida. Right. Weird. Anyways. Yeah. So uh, we'll obviously be pulling on your experience as a radio host and as your experience <laughs> oh, as being married for 45 years. Um, and so a lot of insights I'm sure that you could give, uh, but we'll just touch on on the sermon here. And so kind of just the, the topic of, of marriage in general, I feel like our culture is constantly kind of molding, changing what the purpose of marriage is and redefining it. And uh, we, we're seeing people, you know, wait later in life to get married and then, you know, cohabitation has become more acceptable than ever. 
what are some common things that should be discussed, addressed early on that uh, couples often overlook as we're, you know, going into to marriage? And what, what are some things as that you guys have seen that um, people overlook a little bit or don't discuss? I feel like a lot. I mean, how... <laughs> How you fold your towels, isn't that like an important thing? How you load your dishes in the dishwasher? Yeah, that's a big, those are big topics. I don't know, mom, what do you think? No, I think, um, I think honestly, the one thing that when, if you're a believer, you Mm. should be looking for somebody that is like-minded, that has that kind of faith as well. I think the danger is, is when we start maybe dating somebody that isn't a believer and, you know, we love God. They're not very sure about this God thing, and um, that can be really difficult. That puts stress on a relationship right off the bat. So if you're following God, I say look for somebody that loves God as well. You think about how hard it is to have um, friendships with people who aren't Christians, Mm -hmm. like really close friendships. Um, Imagine having that in your home, like where you're sharing a space, because foundationally it all comes back to what you believe because you're going to go through a bunch of, you know, disciplining your children or um, how you respond to maybe a work event or something Mm. um, all goes back on your faith. And if you have to, you know, almost explain yourself, it just doesn't work. Right. And and I feel like if we discuss these things up front, these spiritual values, these morals, these spiritual beliefs um, later down the line, like, let's say you don't talk about them up front, and then you find out later on, oh, we're not like-minded on these things. It's a little harder to separate from one another because you've already poured some energy and, and you've you've grown to begin to maybe love that person sure, yeah. more. And then you have to say, oh, wait, we don't have these same like-mindedness. I think these things are things you have to attack and have to um, talk about. Maybe attack was too aggressive of a word. <laughs> have to talk about and, and go back and forth on ahead of time, like right at the beginning of the relationship, because then you can kind of determine where you need to go and navigate from there. Yeah. Yeah. So what about the level? What would you say? Um, I would direct this question to you, mom. Mm. What level of spirituality? I mean, do they have to be so totally in sync, you think? Or do you, um, well, because the, if somebody's like, oh, I believe in God, and maybe they tell you that, but they're not truly following him. Is that something that, um, you know, is that a deal breaker? You, you know? know, for me, it was. Like, if if you weren't a Christian, if you weren't following Christ, if you... You know, church was very important to me. Um, I knew from a young age I wanted to be in ministry, so I wasn't really going to date people that didn't have a calling on their life. Mm. Um, I really wanted to pursue and follow that calling God had placed on my own life um, in a marriage. So, you know, when I met Tom and I saw his passion and how much he loved God and that he was called to ministry— you know, those were all things that just kind of fell into place. Now, it wasn't love at first sight by any means. <laughs> I mean, it just wasn't. But as I got to know him and I got to see the person he was at our young age because we were in our early 20s. In fact, I was just 20. In fact, I was 18 when I met him because I met him in college. But um, yeah, you know, I, I feel like I knew that he was somebody I could spend the rest of my life with. That yeah. kind of goes along with what Pastor Tom said today. One of the things he talked about with marriage is being two people coming together for a singular purpose mm-hmm. and a singular uh, that singular purpose under God and what God's plan is for them. And so that mm-hmm. that's exemplified in your relationship. You were looking for someone specifically that had that same like-mindedness and same goal and purpose and vision that you had. 
Right. And you found them. And then so you and Pastor Tom have just been able to work at that together through your entire relationship. That's really cool. And that's also been the number one thing that I think has kept us together. Mm. Because I will tell you, the first few years of marriage, it was not easy. I mean, you're blending two different families, even though we were both raised in a Christian home. Um, Our parents love God. They took us to church. We had all that going for us, but we were both raised very differently. And so whenever, you know, you're newly married, you're blending those, that upbringing into, you know, one family and it's, it's difficult, but I will say what kept us together. Number one thing for both of us is we love God. We, you know, what does he say? And Mm. we really felt like divorce was never an option that, it's, we never even use the word, mm-hmm. never in any fight did we ever say, oh, I'm getting a divorce. You know, it just wasn't a word we'd ever say, but that doesn't mean we didn't fight. You know, mm-hmm. it doesn't mean we didn't have conflict. Um, but there was always God in mind when yeah. we had that conflict. That's so good. You know? Yeah. No, I think that's, that's super important. You guys kind of all touched on it with having that foundation, having those, those values as the, the core, you know, thing that brings you together when these fights happen, when, you know, these walls get torn down, because it's not going to, you're not going to know everything about the person when you get married. Uh, You know, I think he referenced it's going to take 10 to 15 years before you really actually know the person. And I think that's kind of the trap that a lot of our culture kind of falls into is the sense of like, I need to really know this person. I really need to, you know, know everything, every detail about this person before I decide, because it is, it is a big decision. Mm. And so I think a lot of people use that as more of a, um, just like a, basically just a, a scapegoat to, to not commit to somebody mm. because they're saying, oh, well, all these little details don't line up. So I'm not sure if it's going to happen or, you know, I need this aha moment to, to give me the, the confidence to propose or, or whatever. And we see a lot of people kind of floundering in that situation where they're just dating for long periods of time or they're, you're not committing. Um, but when you have that foundation that brings you together, that is the most important part. Mm. Um, and so, uh, you know, Pastor Tom mentioned in the, the sermon, you know, God designed marriage to make us holy more than to make us happy. And uh, after a, a quick little Google search, I went to, you know, see what, what, uh, how do you define holy? And uh, what I came up with was uh, there are two major meanings of the term holy. The secondary meaning refers to righteousness or purity, but the primary meaning of holiness is separation or apartness. And kind of in that context, how can marriage give us opportunities to become more holy? Is there anything that, that comes to mind for that? <laughs> Silence. <laughs> That's a hard one. <laughs> it's a hard one. It's like, well, it's a really deep question. So it's one of those. I'm like, man, I, I got to think about that for a second. Right. Mm-hmm. But um, I, I think, I mean, as far as when you're committing yourself to somebody else and one other person, I mean, that is setting yourself apart, especially in today's day and age, if you know. So I mean, like, I, I think, especially when that foundation and that goal, that same goal, is to please God and to pursue His will for your life when you're doing it together with someone and you both are pushing each other towards that goal as opposed to focusing on yourselves and focusing, yeah, focus more on me, not mm-hmm. God. No, when we're pushing ourselves to focus more on God, you're also growing together. There's all, have you ever heard that, that there's that triangle illustration where it, a relationship will only work if you're both, if you're both focused on pursuing God, you will both meet each other where you need to be at that point as you're, you're, you're bringing each other closer together by growing closer to God. And so that's kind of what, a quick answer for me, like when I hear that question, that's that 
Very deep question. (laughs) That's kind of what I think about is you're staying holy because you're able to help each other on that path to pursuing the will of God for your life. Yeah. And the way I thought about it was, you know, it gives us opportunities to to sacrifice every day and not think of ourselves, but that that Mm, oneness. So if we can constantly put us in that aspect of, you know, being sacrificial for our our spouse and being, you know, helping us to emulate that and, you know, kind of focusing on serving over being served. Yeah. 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 And not to say that you're going to achieve that, you know, perfection of the ultimate sacrifice that Jesus gave, but it's like you, you, you get to live in that, you get to experience that and that can help you become more and more connected to God through Mm. that, that process. Um, I think also, um, Tom had mentioned today in the message that, um, when you, when you get married, you become one but with that, you both bring sin into the marriage mm. immediately, mm-hmm. you know, so we come in as sinful beings and, um, you know, it's, it's a reminder because he, he mentioned this as well. We need to look inside ourselves and as it relates to holiness, you know, he, Tom can't make me holy. I can't make him only God right. can, mm-hmm. can do that. And right. it, requires us to surrender and to give up and to let go and to, you know, be committed. So our relationship with God really is what allows us to enter into that holiness. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, definitely. Now, um, so the next thing can, can he, he got into was that marriage is, is sacred because it's God's invention. You know, the first marriage existed before any government was established or anything like that. So, uh, just a broad question: Why is marriage valuable, you know, personally and in our society, and and why do we need to to recognize marriage? It's just a kind of question that I kind of think about. Even marriage is important, even when you think about it, even outside the church. But how how can we as a church, you know, put that value, or, or why why is marriage valuable in the church? In the church, mm-hmm. um, I mean. It, well, it's the representation, right, of, of Christ. So um, here, um, and that's why ver- marriage is valuable. I mean, you see um, just the, the general family family dynamic and how important it is to have, you know, I was thinking of growing up, y- you said you and dad never one time said, like, I'm going to divorce you. I, I remember as a kid never, ever questioning my parents' marriage, never sitting there mm. thinking, like, oh, are they going to, you know, it was just not even... Yeah. Not even a thought. Yeah. Like my parents were married. They were together. Um, they're not going to, I just didn't even know it. Um, and so uh, there's value um, in the church because it teaches us, teaches future generations of that commitment. And it ultimately points you in the commitment that you have with Christ. And that's what marriage brings in a church. Um, an example um, for me and what marriage means. But Yeah. And it should be a great ex. Uh, example of servanthood. I know we've talked about it a little bit, but but servanthood of kind of, we mentioned briefly, um, Pastor Tom talking about making love a verb, right? Mm-hmm. As opposed to looking at, at picking the right person, focusing on becoming the right person ourselves. Mm-hmm. And if we all do that and do that um, out of selflessness for the other person that we're committed to, um, will continue to grow into the person we need to be and into a person that can be supportive of that other person. And then it, it brings up uh, in the middle of First Corinthians 13 as well, the four through seven, where it talks about it is not love is not self-seeking. It, it, this is completely certain. Love and marriage should be a, 
a service to the person that you're marrying. That it should never be self self focused or inward focused. It should always be focused on them. And if they're doing the same to you, then you both are, <laughs> those, those needs are going to be met if you're both focusing on the other person. So I think it teaches, like you said, the, the coming generations, the kids that we're raising, uh, uh, to be not, to not be self-seeking and to be selfless and servant minded yeah. as well. I think like that scripture from first Corinthians, it's funny. I've been to a million weddings. I've heard it a million times. Right. Today was the first time that I sat there and really, truly listened to how it was all about selflessness. It was never, it was nothing about you. Mm. It was about like what you're giving the other person. Um, And there was so much power in it. I mean, I was like, oh, have you ever literally listened to it? You know, I guess in a wedding, you're looking at the bride and stuff. You're not really. (laughs) And what's so cool (laughs) is when it comes to love things like this, even some love songs that are written Mm -hmm. by like Christian worship, a lot of Christian worship bands now do love songs now. And it's so cool. You can listen to them. And it's literally, you can think about you and your loved one or your spouse or your significant other and how you feel about them. But you can also replace that with how Jesus feels about us and Mm -hmm. Jesus feels about his church. It's Mm -hmm. this exactly. Like Mm -hmm. this is what Jesus exemplified to us and his church. And it's just so cool that you can make that distinction. But it's the same in a marriage that the way Jesus feels about his bride, which is us, which is so, so cool and so beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. And so... um, you know, he, he got, got into as well um, the scripture from Mark 10, uh, from the beginning of creation, God made them male and female. Therefore, a man shall leave his mother and father and hold fast to his wife. And the two shall become one flesh. So they are no longer two, but one flesh. What therefore God has joined together, let not man separate. And so, you know, when thinking about that and thinking about how marriage is, you know, such a, a crucial part of the church and uh, such a crucial part of us as, you know, a community. And like you said, we, ta- we talked about, you know, having the families. We want our families to have the best opportunities. We want our kids to live in the environment that gives them the best opportunities to s- succeed. And that is through married couples. And so we want that to to look a certain way. And I think that having the church give give some type of examples of successful marriages, it's like it can be very helpful for, you know, that, that connection, that allure to be able to, um, you know, flourish to, to help the community of the church, you know, be able to, to, to show how Christ, you know, loved us. And so that we can, you know, get, get together and, you know, be able to, um, Anyway, I'm rambling, but <laughs> um, but yeah. So, is there any anything that comes to mind? I know uh, Sue, you kind of brushed on it earlier, but uh, things that you have done in your marriage that have, have contributed to it, its success. Yes, we need some tips and tricks. <laughs> yes, please. Well, did you see any along the way? <laughs> oh, <laughs> I did. I did. I saw, I saw a lot. Um, you know, it was interesting growing up. You know, you you guys really were different, but it brought out. The, you know, the best in each other. So, mm. I mean, it, it, they couldn't be wildly more, I mean, more different from yeah. one another, um, but both were so important for, for one another. Um, but you have to tell us. Well, you know what? I was, I was just thinking, um, like early on, one of the things, um, you get through all, all the struggles, not that you'll ever get through all the struggles, but um, you start to really, I, I think back, I think back to, um, when I got my first job that I thought, wow, this is a really cool job. I'm, I'm just like, I'm probably 21, 22. Um, and it was in an office and I thought, oh, 
goodness, I don't really have any skills to do this job. Tom was my biggest cheerleader. Mm. I mean, he pushed me, he pushed me. And I remember then I went from, and it was a big, big deal for me. I was a receptionist. Then I went to customer service, a job opening opened up there. He's like, you can do it, you know, and he really encouraged me. Then another position opened and I went for that. That was in purchasing. And so all along the way, he was my encourager and mm-hmm. he was the one, no, you fight for it. And at that time, there was no male that had ever had the position. And I'm like, I'm a female, I can't do this. And yet he, he just really encouraged me. And I really found what a difference it makes when we can encourage our spouse, when we can be their biggest cheerleader, mm-hmm. when we can, you know, uh, help them and just... Um, I guess encourage them along the way. And, and hopefully I've done that for Tom as well. Like I, I just remember um, the first time I ever heard him preach. Oh my goodness. <laughs> I was sitting on the back row and I heard him preach and I thought, oh my goodness, I got to listen to this the rest of my life. <laughs> and I, and I, I didn't tell him, of course I'm like, oh, good, you right? were great. You were good. Good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He, he knew it was bad. <laughs> He's like, it was so bad. He said, I could just see people were falling asleep. They weren't interested. We, it was a Pentecostal church. There oh. were no amens. <laughs> there were and so it wasn't until a few years later that I told him how bad he was. But the thing is, is he got so much better and he got good. And, you know, then... It was like, I don't know. It was just being that encourager to that spouse makes a huge difference. Yeah. You got to support him at the beginning when it was stinky. And then now, yes. and then like, and be that encouragement <laughs> yes. that helped and exactly. saw the whole process of him becoming exactly. the preacher. But I'm, I'm just saying, like, encourage each other, be their best yeah. cheerleader. You know, yeah. if you can do that in marriage, I can't tell you how many people we talked to that over the years we would sometimes do marriage counseling and people would come in and they'd have their laundry list of all the problems of their spouse. And you'd look and you'd say, tell me something good about them. (laughs) Tell me what you saw in them when you first met them. And, Mm -hmm. you know, sometimes if we could just take a few steps back and and, uh, just try some kindness, you know, be nice to each other. Um, I don't know. I think... uh, Good no, that's good. Yeah, especially because that's the, probably the person you're spending the most time with. And right. when you're encouraging, it's contagious. Even if you, even if you're the person being encouraged and it doesn't resonate at first, because maybe you have low self-esteem or whatever it may be, it's contagious. If you keep hearing it over and over and over day after day, I mean, you, it's going to make a change inside your spirit. Mm-hmm. You're, you're going to start believing it and start saying it to yourself then. And that's my goal with Kelsey is just to encourage her so much that then she is then encouraging herself when I'm not around, mm-hmm. that she hears it so much from me that eventually it's just in her head. And she like when right. she's at work and I'm not there to encourage her, she can encourage herself and, the, and, and obviously the Holy Spirit too. But but um, I, I just think it's so important to be encouraging mm-hmm. to each other. I, I agree so much. <laughs> it's so cool. Yeah. And kind of in that thread with, uh, you know, in- encouragement, you, in order to encourage someone, you have to be going somewhere. There has to be a trajectory, a, a journey that they, they, they are striving to be. And so I think a lot of marriages get into a, you know, difficult time when there are there's a stagnant period. And so, mm-hmm. like, it's just we're kind of, you know, putting out fires and, you know, we're not really going anywhere. But to be able to go on that journey with your spouse, to be able to, you know, tell them this is where I want to be and, you know, come along with me rather than like, hey, watch me do this like yeah, kind of thing. Yeah. And so um, that's that's a key a point that we talked about at our, our men's group uh, a couple weeks ago is just as men, as male leaders in our, our families, our marriages, you know, making it a point to tell our wives, you know, 
this is where I see God pulling us. This is this is where we're going and making that a constant um, talk or that constant communication that you're having. And so that they can encourage you, they can, you know, know where you're going through that because mm-hmm. that's that's important. You know, it is it is hard when we get get stuck in these, you know, ruts in our, our life, but being able to to see where you're going, to be able to, you know, have a target that you're shooting for, um, that's super important. Mm-hmm. Um, but is there anything else that stood out to you guys during the sermon today? Any other last um, kind of marriage tips, advice that we want to throw out there? I don't know. I love the picture Tom showed of his grandparents and mm. the 50, 50 years thinking of that 50-year celebration. And I thought, you know, I really want to be that. And then I realized, you only have five years. Yeah. You, you can do that. it at this point. <laughs> oh, my goodness. But, I, you know, that's, that's something to look at and just say, wow, they really accomplished a lot, mm-hmm. you know. Yes. And what a legacy. What a legacy they left that right. continued on for you and, you know, goes all the way down, you know, to the people that you've impacted in the church and those around you. Um, I can't thank you enough. You've taught oh, me a lot. Or, it's so yeah. cool. Yeah. Very for real. Good. Yeah. Well, thank you. Uh, thank you, Sue, for joining us today. Uh, we will bring you back next week. Uh, I think we're starting a new series. I'm not sure. but We um, don't know what it is. I believe so, yeah. <laughs> I oh. think I know what it is. Oh, Can you're I, on staff. Surprise. I think you're supposed to be. I don't <laughs> want to say if I shouldn't family? say. Is it, no, because no, we just did the family. Over. I think it's it, Psalms. No, no. Okay. All right. I think we're going through some Psalms. Oh, but if I'm not supposed to say that, PT, sneak, I'm sorry. Sneak, sneak preview. <laughs> All right, everybody. All right, y'all. Love you. Have a good bye week. Bye. bye.